It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios. Welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. And you still like me or you you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. (laughs) I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, Longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up. Speak up. Say something. Do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. We still support the One China policy. We go there to acknowledge the status quo is what our policy is. There was nothing disruptive about that. It was only about saying China is one of the freest societies in the world. Don't take it from me. That's from Freedom House. Let's it's talk a strong a little bit. democracy, yeah. courageous people. And, and it's it just, I don't know why it is, uh, except there's some commercial interest who would like to diminish uh, the relationship. That is the most bizarre clip. Uh, that is Nancy Pelosi, who just came back from Taiwan, uh, thumbing her nose at the threats of the Chinese uh, military regime, who said they would shoot her plane down, they would, might do that, that uh, they warned her not to go, and yet she went. Uh, I'm not saying she shouldn't go. I'm just telling you this is what happened. She went, and now she comes back, uh, and China is now sanctioning. They're doing other things. We're, we're go- going to get into that, but... Um, she said in that statement that China is one of the freest countries in the world. One of the freest countries in the world. That is just the most bizarre. Anybody off the street surely must be able to, She must not have seen those people in the high-rise apartment buildings screaming during the COVID restrictions because they could not get out of the building and they were starving to death. I remember that well. She must not have seen when they were locking people into their apartments and then setting the apartment buildings on fire. I saw some of that. She must have missed that. And someone said with her, it was, it's the strongest democracy. This is so dangerous it might explain why they let her come. Why not? She comes back and she says to us, China is one of the freest countries in the world, and it's the strongest democracy. Yeah. Bizarre. Well, our president, Joe Biden, is really concerned about China. Not. He has so many financial interests there. He's made a ton of money, he and his son and his family. And he had to say this about his, you know, concerns about China. This is clip 10. How worried are you about the situation in Taiwan? Because China is kind of keeping a bit of a grip around the whole island now. I am, uh, I'm not worried. But I'm concerned that they're moving as much as they are. But I don't think they're going to do anything more. I don't think they're going to do anything. No, not to worry. They're not really serious. Oh, man, he must not be uh, have the same sort. He's the president. I thought he might have some good sources. Jennifer Griffin gives a report from the Pentagon on what China's doing after Nancy Pelosi visited Taiwan. This is clip four. We will not allow China to isolate Taiwan. A week after Speaker Pelosi's visit to Taiwan, tensions remain high. Taiwan held live-fire military drills Tuesday in response to the 300-plus warplanes China has launched near Taiwan in the past week. Today, China's Eastern Theater Command announced it would extend its own drills. 
We warn the Taiwan authorities that any attempt to go against the tide of history and resist unification by force will be firmly rejected by the entire Chinese people and is doomed to failure. While no Chinese warplanes technically crossed into Taiwan's airspace during the past week, Chinese warships are still lurking near Taiwan. Pelosi and the delegation of Democrats who traveled with her said China would have carried out war games to intimidate Taiwan whether they had gone or not. Their pretext was our visit for them to do what they normally do, intensify. They didn't do it when the Senate went under uh, uh, Chairman Menendez of the Foreign Relations Committee. They just decided to do it this time. Clearly, China had their plans before we took our trip. And what they want to do is to try to deter us from going to visit our friend and ally. The Pentagon is still assessing what has changed militarily in the region since the Pelosi visit. The U.S. still has the aircraft carrier USS Ronald Reagan and its fleet nearby to monitor the situation. It's a manufactured crisis. That doesn't mean we have to play into that. What we'll do instead is to continue to fly, to sail, and to operate uh, wherever international law allows us to do so. China dispatched 36 more aircraft Wednesday, including 17 fighter jets that crossed the median line. In total, 344 warplanes have flown near Taiwan over the past nine days in an unprecedented show of force. Ten Chinese warships are still lurking offshore, according to Taiwan's Ministry of Defense. All right, Jennifer Glerfin on Fox. And so the thing of it is, uh, this is very complex for me to try to explain. Uh, Taiwan has been free all of these decades, a thriving democracy, a free people. Uh, and China has never wanted them to be a free people. And now China, like they snatched Hong Kong and took it back into their grips, wants to do the same thing with Taiwan. That's a very big deal because the Americans have been pledged to protect Taiwan all of these decades. Uh, do you think Joe Biden is going to step in and save Taiwan? Do you think uh, Nancy Pelosi is? I mean, she her big mo- move here was to actually provoke the Chinese more by going to Taiwan. She didn't have to do that. There were other ways to encourage Taiwan. It reminds me very much of the provocation that Joe Biden gave to Ukraine for weeks, provoking them, provoking, I mean, the Russians to go into Ukraine and, and invade it. If you want to go back, you could, if you just Google that, you would be astounded at the number of times they said that Russia was going to invade Ukraine. They goaded them, and that's exactly what happened. And so um, I just died. This is very too complex, but it's uh, it's insidious. And coming up next, when I was at CPAC, I had the privilege of spending some time with my good friend Gordon Chang, who's going to talk to us about inside information on China. And following that, Jay Aiba, who is the head of CPAC Japan, uh, because Japan is really concerned about China's aggression. And we'll talk to, to uh, Jay as well. So I hope you'll enjoy those interviews. Uh, let me also remind you that we are at the end of our Truth For Youth week. And if you have not called to help us, You can do that now at 1-800-733-4737, 1-800-733-4737, or go to truthforyouth.com and order these Bibles for kids to hand to their friends at school, and that way reach them in a very personal way. Good for your kids and good for the kids that receive those Bibles. So truthforyouth.com or 1-800-733-4737. Okay, stay tuned because you're in for a treat. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. 
Jesse, that's a really dangerous way to think about America's place in the world, to think that some knucklehead Chinese Communist Party uh, bureaucrats, some propagandists could go out, make a threat on the person third in line for the presidency in the United States of America and change her travel plans, travel to a country she wants to go see and visit. Uh, it is part and parcel of a weak foreign policy, uh, an administration that is scared of its own shadow. And, you know, this is this is what, less than 24 hours, Jesse, after the president's on the phone with Xi Jinping. This suggests that that call went very poorly, that Xi Jinping believes that they can move about the cabin pretty darn freely and they can intimidate us. We can't let it happen. Uh, sign me up, Jesse. It's a strange place to be, but I'm with Nancy on this one. With respect to uh, Afghanistan, the Taliban, he was weak. Vladimir Putin invaded Europe on his watch and he's responded in ways that haven't uh, instilled our, in our allies the backbone necessary to expel him from doing that. And now the Chinese Communist Party is threatening the Speaker of the House and has been threatening to take over Taiwan itself. This is, this is what happens when you have leaders in the White House who are weak, who don't understand American power. It's not about sending the 82nd Airborne or the 101st. It's about demonstrating American resolve. And whether it's because he may be compromised or he just doesn't want to infuriate the Chinese Communist Party because, boy, who, who wants that kind of struggle on their hands? This is a challenge for the American people, for the American nation. We did it for four years. We pushed back against China. We pushed back against the bad guys, uh, the Iranians. If America continues to be weak, Jesse, we're going to have a lot more conversations just like this one, where American leaders, American businesses, American corporations are being pushed around in the world, and nobody in the White House will have their back. All right, that was Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, obviously, before Nancy Pelosi went to Taiwan. Uh, but just to give some perspective, and of course, uh, um, our favorite China expert, my favorite, is Gordon Chang. And he's the author of a brand new book. It's new to me anyway. It's The Great U.S.-China Tech War and Losing South Korea. Uh, Gordon has been with us so many times. He is a Chinese expert. He, lives, he lived in uh, Hong Kong and China for years and worked. He's an attorney. Uh, he's been a professor. And, um, and he's a China expert, and that's what he does. You see him on the airwaves all, all over the place. And I've learned much of what I know about China besides my own time spent there from Gordon Chang. So, Gordon, thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you, Sandy. I really appreciate it. <laughs> hey, I'm just right off the bat here. I'm reading that um, China, look, China made a lot of noise about Nancy Pelosi going to Taiwan. And many of us thought that they would make good on the noise that they were making. But now they, she came and she went, and now they're saying they're going to sanction her and her family from travel there. Well, that might hurt them because I think they have Chinese interests, but that's pretty small. What's happening? That's so unlike the Chinese mind to me. That's, that's part of honor, is it not? I mean, they've kind of lost their, some of their honor in this proposition. Well, certainly the, in, in the Chinese uh, social media space, there are a number of voices that are saying that Xi Jinping is, didn't make good on his threats uh, that he had made before uh, the Speaker of the House went to Taiwan. So he's being criticized by the nationalists in China itself. But what China has done, which you asked, they've done a number of things. For instance, they've declared six live fire explosion zones around the t island of Taiwan. This, this looks like they're preparing for an embargo. And one of those zones is so close to the main island of Taiwan that it actually infringes on Taiwan's sovereign airspace and seas. And seas. So that's dangerous. Yesterday they fired off 11 missiles around those exclusion zones. Five of them landed actually in Japan's exclusive economic zone. So that is extremely dangerous. And today um, they have, uh, sorry, on um, 
on Friday, what they did was they um, suspended all cooperation with the Biden administration on climate change, defense talks, narcotics talks. You know, I sort of think that's a good thing because those talks only benefited the Chinese. But that's what they've been doing so far. But isn't uh, still the, the you know this better than I do because of my travels, though, in the East. I know this, that uh, honor or, or um, face. face. That's, they, he lost face. They said they were going to shoot the plane down. They were going to do this is, you know, rhetoric that's like uh, and they are preparing for war. We're watching, you know, the build up of their forces. You've told me so many mm -hmm. times about how they're uh, genetically altering soldiers so that they can prepare to fight. And we're seeing videos of all of this building up their Navy. So why this wimpy response? Seriously, what's the, what's going on there? I think what they're going to do is they are now moving against Taiwan um, th with those missile launches, um, with the missiles splashing down near Japan. They're taking on Japan, but they're not really taking on the United States. I mean, there's no military provocation against us, at least at the moment, Sandy. Um, this is a developing story, so we really don't know how far this will go. Mm -hmm. But the one thing that, that troubles me is that we see China lashing out at a number of countries in the region simultaneously. Now, it seems to me it would make sense if they were only going to go after Taiwan. But they're also going after Japan. They've got troops deep into Indian-controlled territory right now. They're trying to break apart the Philippines at Second Thomas Shoal in the South China Sea. You know, it, they're just lashing out at everybody. And when a country does something which is strategically wrong, you know, it, incompetent, uh, then you have to worry that they're going off the rails in Beijing right now. So I haven't spoken to you in a long time. But someone else that I trust, who I can't remember in this moment, has said to me that China is really seriously planning to invade Taiwan in October. What are your thoughts about that? Is that proper information, or is that just a wild speculation? There is speculation in that regard, and there's some support for it, but I don't think it will occur. And the reason is that Xi Jinping, the Chinese ruler, um, is waiting for the 20th National Congress of the Communist Party, which, if tradition holds, will be held October or November this year. The reason why this National Congress is of utmost importance is because this is where Xi Jinping wants his third term, an unprecedented third term as General Secretary of the Communist Party. He's right now fighting with other senior leaders. I don't think he has the consensus to do anything like that. Plus also, if he were to invade Taiwan, which is something that China has never had a combined land-sea operation in its history. Um, and so uh, this would be meaning that he'd have to give almost complete authority over the entire military to some general or admiral. That makes that flag officer the most powerful figure in China. And in a politically sensitive time, that's not something that Xi Jinping is likely to do. Now, they may do something with regard to Taiwan in the run-up to the 20th National Congress, but I don't think it'll be an invasion of the main island, which is what people are talking about. Yes, exactly. Well, that's interesting. Now, I have another great source on China besides you, and it is my the girl that does my nails. <laughs> She's Chinese. I'm kidding. That's a joke, of course. But no, you she actually is, don't she have to kid because a <laughs> lot of Chinese um, people, people who have left China, 
they still maintain their contacts yes, yes. and they come up with some of the most amazingly correct yes. information so okay. I would listen to I, your manicurist I, I am listening her mother is a communist in China and so I had a long conversation with her. We have, it's really funny, Gordon, because she doesn't speak very good English, but she understands me better than she speaks. So we have these, you know, we have a really good relationship. So you got to say that again. I didn't catch that. So, but she told me that, um, that she, she has really fallen in a, uh, popularity because he actually put up his photo like, uh, like uh, Mao put a, these huge photos around and it was very unpopular and they had to take them down because he's trying to put himself forward as like in the pattern of these great and he she said that i think she said if i understood her chinese her english correctly that he's not in the line of secession and they resent that so he's not very popular right now in china she said what are your thoughts about that that is certainly true first of all you have the covid lockdowns yes. these covid the the <sighs> dynamic zero covid policy which means total draconian lockdowns are unpopular as you can imagine and we saw that for instance in Shanghai where you had the people screaming from the balconies people surging out onto the streets um, it is really unpopular so for instance right now in Wuhan where the disease started China is locking down more than 970,000 people in a district because regular testing disclosed four four asymptomatic cases so you can imagine that's not popular. But what is also not popular is that the real estate market is plunging. In China, that's more important than it is in the United States because for Americans, our homes, you know, that's real estate. But in China, people buy real estate sort of not so much to live in. They buy it as a store of value. So as an American would buy a share of stock or a gold coin, the Chinese buy apartments. Well, the value of apartments is plunging, and that's why you have what are the so-called mortgage boycott, which is spread throughout China. That is, people who have bought a mortgage, I mean, have bought an apartment, um, it's unfinished, but they have agreed to pay the full price, and so they are now on the hook to the banks. People understand these apartments won't get finished because the property companies are going bankrupt. They're defaulting on their bonds and other obligations. So people aren't paying back the banks. And it's even gotten worse. Companies that supply products to the property developers, they've stopped paying the banks as well. So you've, you've got um, a revolt across China and their bank runs and there's this and there's that. So you can imagine the Chinese people right now are not very happy and they are not in the mood for an invasion of Taiwan. How complex, you know, every time I talk to you, I ask you about their economy, and I think you've just now answered that the, the economy is still in trouble, and yet they're spending, like Russia did, all these millions and billions on building up their military. That's amazing. You know, the, the photos we're seeing, the videos we're seeing of the troops and the, the tanks and the ships and all of that, so, while the people are suffering. That's typical tyranny, isn't it? I mean, that's the way it goes. It's typical communists. Um, and also, you point out something very important, and that is, the Chinese military is taking a bigger and bigger slice out of the country's budget, out of the country's gross domestic product. And this really means that this is unsustainable, which also means, and this is why we really have to worry, Xi Jinping must have a use it or lose it mentality because he knows that long term his economy can't sustain this military buildup. <clears throat> Excuse me. The generals and admirals know this as well. And so that's a real motivation to do something sooner rather than later. Isn't that interesting? Boy, he and Joe Biden have something in common then because 
But Joe has to hurry and destroy as much as he can before they lose power. And uh, so, I, and now there another thing my my manicures told me, which is very interesting to me. I, she said that because of the one-child policy, she's probably 45. I'm just guessing. And she said of her generation, she came up during the one-child policy so that you have, again, all these families, that four grandparents to one child. And right. so as a result of that, that one child is spoiled rotten. And she said now those children, those one children, don't want to get married, don't want to take on responsibility, don't want to have children. And um, I, I, I just thought that's a fascinating piece of information. That's going to have an effect somewhere down the road, too. Most certainly. In, in the Communist Youth League did a survey about three or four months ago, and it showed that of urban Chinese women, 44% said they will never get married. The reason why this is important for a demographer is that in China, you can't get a birth permit, which is required for a birth. You can't get a birth permit without being married. And so really what this has done is taken out um, a substantial portion of women who probably will never bear children. The reason why this is important is because China is projected to have the biggest decline in people um, in the absence of war or disease this century. China right now claims 1.41 billion people. At the end of this century, it probably will have somewhere below 600 million, maybe even around 500 million. So you can imagine that decline in demography. This is unprecedented. We don't know what's going to happen. And this is also the closing window of opportunity because Xi Jinping knows that the basis of Chinese diplomacy these days is intimidation. You can intimidate others if your country is 1.4 billion people and the most populous in the world. You can't intimidate others if your country is falling apart and is only 500 million people. So that leads to the conclusion these guys are going to move sooner rather than later as a general matter. I don't think October, but nonetheless, we've got to be concerned. So, Gordon, I don't understand. I don't understand why China is invoking these terrible lockdowns and people not able to go to the bank or get food at locking people in still why would they be doing that they they pay attention we know that COVID is not the threat it was why, why are they doing this couple reasons first of all Xi Jinping as I mentioned is considered to be the author of the zero COVID policy which means no transmissions of disease are allowed um, so he can't allow any criticism of this, especially in a time which he considers to be politically sensitive in the run-up to the 20th National Congress. Um, second thing, and, and this is more fundamental, from the very beginning of this disease, China has made the argument that Chinese communism is superior to democracy and American democracy because they've been better able to control the disease. So every case of coronavirus, every death in China is a threat to regime legitimacy. Now, China doesn't have an effective vaccine. It's got two primary vaccines made by Sinopharm and Sinovac. They don't work. That means basically public health authorities in China believe that their only defense against the disease is isolation. So this is something that they can't compromise on. So. Whatever that it takes, um, and that I really mean it, whatever it takes, they will try and stop transmission of disease. It doesn't make sense economically. It's destroying the economy for a number of reasons. The point is, this is a regime in distress. It's just, it's really unbelievable. But back to the danger to us. Meanwhile, they're buying up our land base. Uh, they're 
you've told me a long time ago that they want our land. They want to displace our population and take what we have. You stand by that still? Absolutely. I mean, for instance, we have seen some very strange purchases by the Chinese in our country of farm and ranch land. We know about the purchase 12 miles away from the Grand Forks Air Base in North Dakota, which has important satellite uplinks. Um, a Chinese company wants to build a corn milling plant there. That's where they would want to put passive listening devices. They've got the same problem in, in this state, in Texas, Laughlin Air Force Base. A Chinese former military officer bought a huge tract of land close to Laughlin. But also, they're doing some other things which are inexplicable. So, for instance, Chinese parties are buying farmland in Oklahoma and letting it go fallow. Doesn't make a lot of economic sense. Maybe they're buying it sort of like they want to get their money out of China. I don't know. But also, we have the Chinese buying land and um, farming marijuana illegally. So, there are all sorts of things that are going on in these purchases. I believe that we need to stop Chinese purchases of our farm and ranch land. I believe we need to expropriate. Now, if the Chinese parties are committing a crime on that land, I think we should confiscate it without compensation. If they're not doing something illegal, then we have to pay them for it. But we got to get them out of our food chain because food security these days, especially after the Ukraine war, is national security. Absolutely. Gordon Chang, thank you so much. Uh, you're going to be on stage today, right? On Saturday. On Saturday. What time? Well, we don't know yet, or at least I don't know. And they say the C in CPAC states is stands for change of schedule. <laughs> That's good. I hadn't heard that. Well, listen, it's great to see you. As always, you and Lydia, please take care and be safe because you guys put yourselves out there, and there's danger with that. I'm sure there is. I want people to know that. So thank you for your courage and bringing the truth. Well, to thank you, country. Sandy. Thank you. See you soon. All right, Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Getter or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Uh, former Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe has died after being shot during a campaign speech today. The shooting captured on video. So you You can hear there are two shots fired. Abe suffered a bullet wound to the right side of his neck and also to his chest. He was rushed from the scene in an ambulance and then transferred by medical helicopter to a hospital where he underwent emergency treatment. But doctors could not stop the bleeding. Moments after the shots were fired, you could see Abe's security detail tackling the suspect a local resident in his 40s. The gun he used appears to have been handmade, a motive not known at this time. As Brianna said, Abe was Japan's longest serving prime minister and was still a towering figure in Japanese and international politics. He had crucial working relationships with both President Obama and President Trump. And this assassination causing shockwaves around the world this morning. All right, Sandy Rios with you. That was a CNN report. And of course, that happened on July 9th of this year. It was really a shock. President Abe was a, um, I just remember he seemed to have a real close with the President Trump and they got a, had a very good relationship. And I think 
that he was actually a very, I think, close friend with my next guest, and I'm going to ask him about that. Ajay Abe has been our guest many times. This is our third, my third time to interview him at uh, CPAC. This is CPAC Dallas, by the way. He is the chairman of the American Conservative Union a Japanese branch, which is really very cool. Uh, he was born in Yokohama. I've been to Yokohama. Yeah. And um, he has a degree in law, and of course, uh, he does a great job leading this conservative group in Japan. And with that, we welcome you this morning. And as I said to you, mm. ohayou gozaimasu. Ohayou gozaimasu. Good yes. morning. Good morning. Yeah. Uh, so, <clears throat> Jay, what was your relationship with President Abe? うん。はい。ああ、安倍首相は日本で、え、6回ずっと続けてこれまで行ってきた新パクジャパン。え、そこに彼の大事なあ、次のリーダーとなるべき人材、え、ニューリーダーですね。これをどんどん新パクジャパ
So it, exactly as you said, Japan is a very safe country. There's very little violent crime. Um, so it's really hard to put in words how shocking this was for the Japanese people. This was the first assassination of a political leader, um, a major political leader in 85 years. So this is really something that shocked all people, not just liberals, not just conservatives, but all Japanese, and I think the world as well. Well, I'm very sorry. I thought of you immediately. I thought of you, and I thought about the effect on the conservative movement in Japan. Very sad. All right. Um, last time we spoke, I asked you about what it meant to be a conservative in Japan. And you told me, as I said a minute ago, that it was loyalty to the it's not the same as it is here and that's why we have to d explain this it's loyalty to the to the Japanese traditions uh, to the royal family uh, so what I want to ask you is about some issues that we're having in the West and whether you're having those issues in Japan で、あの、前回お話ししたときにえっと、日本での補修はどんなものなのかについて話しましたんで、その伝統とか歴史とかえっと、天皇への、えっと、敬意とかそれがえっと、主なテーマになると思いますが、えっと、ここアメリカとか
ふなんか楽にあのすることはできますかよく人は手術しますかどんな,なんか問題点になっていますでしょうかあ日本においては中,中絶については結構頻繁に行われていますこれはある意味宗教による歯止めが効いていない倫理的な歯止めが効いていないというところがあって日本における中絶は非常にたやすく行われるというので、えー、アメリカの保守の皆様の観点からしたらば非常にこう問題ではないかなというふうに思っています。So, unfortunately, in Japan, abortion is very, it happens very frequently. It's not something brought up in politics very much, but it's, it probably stems from a lack of a religious undertone, a lack of faith, a lack of、um, values in that sense. So, it is a problem and it's very easy to get an abortion,、um, and it happens far too frequently in Japan, unfortunately. Let's turn to national security.、Um, <laughs> China is out of control、yeah. in your region. Yeah. And you know, their military buildup is just amazing. They're just grabbing everything. So, what's Japan's? What are you doing in preparation for the fear of what China might do to Japan? あのその論点は今、一番日本にとって大きな問題で、えー、中国の攻撃に対して今、日本の防衛体制が十分であるとは本当にない状況になっています。というのも、イエスレイ、イエスレイ中国は初めて日本の海に対して9発のミサイルを打ち込んだんです、実験と称してでそのミサイルの何発かは本当に日本の沖縄のもう本当目の前のところにいくつもいくつも着弾していてもうこれはもはや戦争状態にあると言ってもいいと思っています。So the the issue of China and their military aggression is really the biggest issue Japan is grappling with right now.、Um, and, and the question that Japanese people are asking themselves are are we ready if we were to be attacked are we ready to defend ourselves and it looks like we might not be and yesterday as you know Sandy、uh, China fired nine missiles into Japan's easy exclusive economic zone.、Um, this was really right in Japanese waters, right off,、uh, right close to Okinawa. So, very close to where people live,、um, very close to Japanese、um, land territory as well. And this is really shocking. It is a huge、uh, transgression against Japanese national sovereignty, and it's, it really feels like we're on the brink of war. I think we would agree. I'm, um, I've asked you this before, but again, for clarification, after World War II, you were not allowed as a country to establish an army、uh, or to, I'm not sure what the restrictions are, but I even developed nuclear weapons. I'm sure you're forbidden from that. Is that still standing, or is there some easing of that? あの核兵器も持ってはいけないのでしょうか、それはまだその状態にありますでしょうか、うん、今まだ憲法上はそういった状態にあります、でやっぱりそれをこう敷いてきたのは民主党の政権がずっと連続してやってきたわけですね、でも共和党、例えばトランプ大統領の時代なんかは、ACU も本当にこう僕たちに対して、日本も早く核を持った方がいいよと、核を持つんだったら
本当に信頼できる安心できるマナーがしっかりした道徳がしっかりした国がいいよということでトランプ政権の時には非常に好意的に核を持ちなさいって言ってますけど民主党政権になると必ずいやいやいや僕たちが守る、うん、核なんか持たなくていいよこういったもう180度違う政策なんですねだから日本もいよいよ自主的に決断をしなければいけない時に来ていると思っています。So you're exactly right, Sandy. Um, after World War II, Japan was not allowed to have a military or nuclear weapons, and it still remains the same. The constitution has not been amended since then. And the funny thing is, Democrat administrations not only、um, they they want the U.S. military to be there, but they don't want Japan to have a military of its own. They want to they want Japan to be dependent on the U.S. But the funny thing is,、um, President Trump. The American Conservative Union, our friends there,、uh, and the GOP in general, want Japan, they, they want to protect Japan, but they also want Japan to be able to protect itself. So they have really, it's really a 180 degree difference in policy.、Um, Trump was very big on Japan readying itself,、um, picking up some of the slack for this national security issue.、Um, so unfortunately, when there's a Democrat in the White House, it's much harder for Japan to do that. So is it, simp- is it just America's decision to allow? Japan to、uh, arm itself or develop nuclear weapons? It's, it's just it's not an na- international treaty of some sort? So, this is the first time の条約というものがありますのでやっぱりアメリカの後押しがあって常任理事国なんかが日本が核を持つことを賛成してくれるということがないと日本の9条だけ改正してもなかなか国際的にはぎくしゃくするのでアメリカの特に共和党政権の,あのサポートというのが非常に大事だと思います。So to remilitarize,、um, Japan itself would have to revise Article 9, but to obtain nuclear weapons for, to achieve deterrence, Um, we would need、um, support from the US to do that because UN treaties、um, ban countries from obtaining nuclear weapons that don't already have them. So, support from、um, a Republican president would be absolutely necessary for that. Let's turn back to domestic issues for you.、Um, I, what was the effect of COVID on Japan?、Uh, were there shutdowns? Were there a lot of deaths? What was the effect? And is it now, have you moved past it? Like England, like America, well, most of America. <laughs> で、あのコロナについて聞きたいと思います。Yeah. で、日本ではそのコロナ対策はどのものになったんですかね。えっと封鎖とかえっとありましたか。どのぐらいの死亡とかありましたか。で、まあ最後にえっと日本はもうポストコロナになっています。アメリカとイギリスとかはもう完全にコロナは過去のものだと。でも日本はどううなってますでしょうか、はいえっと、日本は大体今までこの2年半で死者が1400万人あ罹患者が1400万人そして死者が3万3000人という状況なのでそんなにこう被害としては、まあ、亡くなった方はもちろん気の毒ですけど大きくはないただ、日本のコロナ対策があ有効だったかというとこうマスクを徹底したりそれからワクチンを3回、今4回。5回打たそうとしてますけれどもワクチン打てば打つほどその逆に罹患者も増えていくような状況なのでとてもうまくいっているとは思いませんただ、今アメリカやイギリスとだんだん似たような形でコロナとともに生活していくという状況になりつつあります。
So Japan had in total about um, 14 million infections um, over the past uh, two and a half years, and tragically, you know, 33,000 people died, uh, around 33,000. And this is obviously very sad, but it's nothing compared to some other countries. Um, whether or not Japan's policies regarding COVID were effective or not, they, they push and they still push universal masking outdoors, anywhere, everywhere. Um, they, they want people to get vaccinated three, four, five times, which has not really helped infections, obviously. Um, so I can't say that Japanese, Japan's COVID policies have been successful. Now, as far as whether we're getting past COVID, um, like the U.S. and the U.K., uh, not yet, but we are moving in that direction. Okay. Yeah. One last question. What is something, what would you like to say to the American people about your country, about what you'd like to express, about what you want them to know about you? What's the last thing that you would like to share? このトランプ大統領をはじめ、そして英州の議長も公式にアベショに対する今回の暗殺について本当にこう丁寧な頂上いただいたこと本当に感謝しています。そして、アメリカでトランプ現象が起きたように、今安倍さんなきあとですね、